0: Gentlemen, I have a uh, movie clip that I want to start with uh, today. I want to show you uh, the trailer uh, from the movie Wonder. Anybody see Wonder? It was out about three or four months ago. Powerful, powerful uh, movie. And the reason I'm going to show you this um, trailer is so you get an idea of the context of then the song um, that is the theme song for the movie. And the idea of this uh, movie relative to what we're talking about, we're talking about step six. And step six is that we're ready to have all of our character defects removed by God, character defects. We're all defective. Those of us who are physically defective um, are immediately confronted in life. With how we're gonna handle that. So, what if all of your character defects, all of my character defects, immediately were visible by your face? Some of you guys would look ugly. You'd look beat up. But it's like, you know, I'm good, you're good, we're all good, because you can't see what's on the inside right but what if you could and that's why I'm showing you this clip you to watch the um, trailer to this and then we'll do the song watch this
1: my name is Augie Pullman next week I start fifth grade and since I've never been to real school before I'm pretty much totally extra I'll see you later
0: You don't want to walk up with your parents because it's not cool. But you're cool. I know I am, but technically most dads aren't. Neither are these helmets.
1: Dear God, please make them be nice to him. I know I'm not an ordinary 10-year-old kid. I've had 27 surgeries. They've helped me to breathe, to see, to hear without a hearing aid. But none of them have made me look ordinary. Incubator, bunch of murders. Oh, and this is an eraser. You know what an eraser is, right? Look at his face. never seen anything that ugly in my life. If I look like him, I swear, I'd put a hood over my face. I know you don't always like it, but I love it. It's my son's face. You are not ugly, Augie. You just have to say that because you're my mom. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most, because I know you the most. Hi. You don't have to do this. I don't know what you're talking about, Augie. You don't have to pretend as all I'm saying. Augie! Okay, I'm really sorry. Why are you sitting here then? Because I want some nice friends for a change. Me too. Who is it that I aspire to be? That is the question that we should be asking ourselves all the time. Hey Jack, come sit here. Anna I'd like to be able to control the weather. That would be your superpower? That sounds pretty lame. Well, what would you do? I'd be invisible. You're the toughest kid in that school. Show them. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. <laughs> Thought about having plastic surgery. Dude, this is after plastic surgery. It takes a lot of work to look this good.
0: <laughs> this morning, um, I want you to get to know Augie. I want you to get to know yourself. There's such a strong sense that when you and I look in the mirror, when we're in the middle of failure and shame. That what we see is so often what Augie sees every day. We're ugly, we're distorted. We wish we could put a space helmet on and hide. Somebody's gonna find out what's going on. Words to the song Doctors have come from distant cities just to see me stand over my bed, disbelieving what they're seeing. They say I must be one of the wonders of God's own creation. And as far as they see, they can offer no explanation. Newspapers ask intimate questions, want confessions. They reach out, they reach into my head to steal the glory of my story. Your story. Shame and all, sin and all, brokenness and all. May you hear the voice of God and see yourself more clearly. Today.
1: Doctors have come from distant cities just to see me stand over my bed, disbelieve me. What they see, they say I must be one of the wonders God's own creator. See, they can offer no explanation Newspapers ask intimate questions one confessions Reach into my head to steal the glory of my story they say, I must be one of the wonders of God's own creation. And as far as they see, they can offer no explanation. Ooh, I believe. Fate smiled at destiny. Laughed as she came to my cradle. Know this child will be able. Laughed as my body she lifted. Know this child will be gifted with love, with pain. Away way to make a way people see me I'm a challenge to your balance I'm over your hands how I confound you And astound you to know I must be one of the wonders of God's own creation. And as far as you see, you can offer me no explanation. I believe. me laughed as she came to my cradle no this child will be able laughed as she came to my mother no this child will not suffer Laughed as my body she raised
0: Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. 12 steps, a classic model for spiritual growth. Today, uh, we've worked our way to step six. Step six is that we're ready. Entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, all these, all these specific, not generally, but specific character defects. You're probably like me when I'm sitting in church and we have time of prayer in church and we're invited to confess our sins. And I'm sitting there thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch. And I'm not confessing it. My mind wanders and, you know, uh, as I engage, God, forgive me of my sins. That's a weak, a weak attempt to engage in that worship. Because what I'm being invited to do in church is to begin to make an inventory of my character defects, my failures, what I'm ashamed of, but I'm usually not awake enough. I haven't had enough coffee to really engage. I'm just waiting on the next thing to happen. But step six is preceded, of course, by the first five steps. And Jeff, Jeff, put up the slide there of the overview. Again, by the time we've gotten down to step six, if we're following the 12 steps as a pathway for growth, we've worked through the first three steps and we've really gotten connected to God. Step four, uh, we make an inventory. That's when we get our pen and paper out and now we're beginning to really assess where we are. Deliberately and intentionally. Step five is all about then telling somebody else, confessing to God to another brother, looking him in the eye and having the experience of risking complete rejection that you would tell him what your character defects are and the fear in your head is he's going to get up and say, okay, this is over. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. I don't want to do business with you. Um, I don't want you to be a neighbor. I'm going to sell my house. I'm moving out of the neighborhood. I'm done. That's our fear, right? And step six is just a push. Um, through the wisdom of God leading, uh, Bill W and Dr. Bob, um, and a group of their mentors and friends in the 1930s into a paradigm of healing for addicts and for you and I, because we're all addicts and we get to step six and what we would call step six in a certain sense, relative to our Christian teaching. Church teaching, biblical teaching, I would call this the lordship of Christ. Uh, There's some teaching in Christian circles to where you make Christ your savior, and then later on, you make him your lord. I don't really believe that teaching, because I believe you're all in or you're all out. It's kind of like being pregnant. Either you is or you ain't, right? Right. But there is a teaching that's kind of this progressive thing where I accept Jesus as Savior, and then later on, I'm going to make him Lord. And this is the step, step six, to where we really make him Lord if we're into that kind of paradigm. But it's like I'm going to be more deliberately and intentionally committed to having this a part of my life. These defects, not generally, if I've hurt somebody, I know I've hurt somebody. I have brokenness in my life. I have character defects. So, guys, this is an invitation to get specific. It would be like Augie, and I'm going to talk a lot about Augie this morning, the main character in the movie Wonder. Augie couldn't get away from it, could not get away from it. Every time he walked in, to a new location, people see Augie. You and I are really good at camouflaging, covering up. You know, as I look out at this group, um, if I hadn't had uh, over 30 years of uh, counseling experience with guys like you, I'd think, man, this is a good looking group. There's nothing going on in this group, but I'm not that naive. This is one broken group of men. Because we all are, I know your stories I've set with many of you. you to pick up your pen, let's go to work. Three questions intentionally and deliberately beginning to look at your life and make an inventory. First question that I want you to work with is what religious behaviors have you engaged that you now realize you were using? in the hope of fixing yourself. What religious behavior. Now, let me illustrate this in my own life. When I really came to a a major crossroads in my own journey, I was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ, loved Jesus, uh, had been in uh, a number of different leadership positions, um, and I I was in my mid-30s, and I came to the end of my rope. Uh, I had just led um, a business guy to the Lord uh, at the Union League. The Union League is a wonderful men's club in the heart of Philadelphia. If you ever saw the movie Trading Places with Eddie Murphy, uh, that men's club was filmed, or that in the movie, that is the Union League. They filmed it in the Union League. So you kind of get an idea. This is a prestigious club. I met with a guy, led him to the Lord, and I remember walking out of the Union League and I was so burned out in such a dark place that I was angry. I felt like Jonah when the Ninevites repented, just mad. Dad, gun it. Why don't you just kill them, God? And they repented. And here this guy came to the Lord and I was like, I was so burned out. I was like, dog gun it. Can't even get a break. Guy comes to the Lord. What's up with that? And I was mad because I was in such a dark place. What I began to realize is that I had been using religious activity. If I could be gooder and gooder, and if I could help people, lead them to the Lord, or even serve them in some way, then somehow I could overcome my own scarred face, my own brokenness, and I would be better. And I found out that was not the way God works. God began to dig in the deep part, the dark parts, the hidden parts of my heart and uncover character defects that I had been ashamed of and was hiding for years. And that religious activity was not going to stand for that. God did not need me to lead somebody to the Lord. If God wanted that guy to come to the Lord, he could have zapped him with a bolt of lightning, he could have come to the Lord. He allowed me to be a part of the process. Oftentimes, guys, what what I call that is over-spiritualizing. We over-spiritualize in an attempt to hide our brokenness, our scars, and we don't get real. So, guys, it's time to get real. Quit over-spiritualizing. Quit using religious stuff. Bible reading, going to church, singing hymns, all of that is fantastic. Do more of it. Do more of it, but not with the mindset that you don't have to dig in and deal with your own personal scars. Make sense? Second question. I want you to describe your feelings about doing each of these things at the time that as you were engaged in religious activity, how did that make you feel? Did it bring you joy? Again, what I'm saying is that I knew that it wasn't hitting in the right spot because I was doing religious activity, and I was just getting more angry. I was getting more frustrated. The healing is in the feeling. You've got to dig deep into the feelings. As a counselor, that's so much of what I do. I'm trying to get underneath the behavior. I sit with a man recently, and um, he's uh, a sex addict by his own um, confession. And he had a slip up. And um, he's sitting with me because he know his wife found out. He didn't tell his wife. His wife discovered his slip up, and now he's in my office, kind of like he got sent to the principal's office. He would not have been in my office if he had not been discovered, and if his wife hadn't told him, you got to go see Phil. So he's sitting in my office, and I said, "Okay, um, when you had your slip up." What were the circumstances? And he described to me that his wife was at an event. He was home alone. A man alone is a dangerous animal. Home alone. Home alone. And I said, okay, so tell me what you did. And so he described what he did. You know, got the iPad, hit a couple of buttons, boom. He's, in fan- he's on Fantasy Island, Right. And I said, well, let's go a little deeper. <coughs> Excuse me. What were you feeling just prior to picking up that iPad? And He looks at me and he said, well, what's that got to do with it? <laughs> I love my job. <laughs> I love my job. And I said, well, I said, I said that it's got everything to do with it because we can make you a circus animal. He said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, we can teach you to jump through a hoop and uh, juggle uh, swords and swallow swords. I don't want to make you a circus animal in terms of stop doing it. Don't do it, right? I'm not into behavioral stuff. I'm into heart stuff. And what was going on that you were conscious or unconscious of feeling-wise and what you were really feeling, that was driving the behavior. So he stopped for a minute. He kind of got what I was saying, and he said, I felt lonely and bored. Lonely and bored. Now, guys, a man who is alone and feels lonely and is bored is not going to sit there passively watching ESPN for very long. He's going to go for something more stimulating, something more action-oriented, something in his character, a character defect. Third question, what character defects have you recognized that you need to become willing to let God remove? Now, in my life, what I needed to address that I'd never addressed was anger. And there is nobody in my life at that time except my wife that would have said I was angry. I was the nicest guy in the neighborhood, and nice, N-I-C-E, is a four-letter word. My mama taught me to be nice, LMA. I love my sweet mama. She's in heaven, but she taught me to be nice. Kill them with kindness is what she always said. They're going to beat the crap out of me, mama. That ain't going to work out there on the playground. Well, now be nice. Be nice. It almost killed me. You know, that got me beat up a couple times that doesn't work. And so I learned to be a people pleaser. That's a character defect. And I wound up in a mental hospital with a hospital bracelet on my arm and them helping me to understand how to stand up, set boundaries and deal with my character defects of internalized anger, it made me mad that everybody wanted a piece of me. But it's like, they didn't know. I couldn't say no. So all I said was yes, 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 yes. And then I would get mad about it. Whose fault is that character defect? Gentlemen, the verse that takes us into step six, James chapter four, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Let's say it together. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. You can memorize that, right, Joe? It's not that hard. Humble yourselves. Gentlemen, never, 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 as short as that verse is, take for granted how hard that is. I'm a tall guy. I'm a tall guy. It is a long way from here to here. You know how hard it is to do this? Well, it's a lot harder than it used to be. Put it that way. (laughs) How's that? Yeah, exactly. That's the easy part. I just got down, right? Somebody help me. No. In all seriousness, guys, if you got found out today, if I could see the scars that you're trying to cover up on your face like Augie, you would do everything you could to make sure I didn't know what was really going on. None of us, none of us do that voluntarily or easily. You're like my friend. Most of the time we have to get found out. And then our natural reaction when we get found out is to lie about it. Lie about it. That's, that's, that's just human nature. You know, it's like little Johnny with chocolate on his face. You now Johnny, you been into mama's chocolate? No. No. It's all over his face, just like Augie. Gentlemen, this, this journey of <coughs> removing... Character defects. First of all, are you ready? There's a reason why step six comes after one, two, three, four, five. You have to build up to this. Repentance is what step six is about. And repentance is not easy. In theological circles, there's a lot of debate sometimes about which is first, confession or repentance. Which would you say? Repentance means to do a 180. You know, not like my female counseling uh, friend one time. She, she stood up in my office. And she's getting ready to leave. And she says, you know, I'm uh, thank you so much for your help. I'm really getting it. I'm going to do a 360. <laughs> That's returning revenue is what that's called. Yeah. Confession or repentance, which comes first? And what's important, before you even tell me that you're going to change, I won't believe you until I know your story. And that's so hard. Tell me your story. That We call that confession. Acknowledge your sins. And that is so hard because, no, okay, Let's flip it and let's say repentance is first. Okay, I'm going to change. I'm going to do a 180, but I ain't going to tell anybody. Baloney. Baloney. And we all have tried that, right? If I could just keep it a secret, man, that was stupid. That was so stupid. I'll never let that happen again. And we make this vow. I'm not going to let that happen. But I ain't going to tell anybody. Sorry, dude. No. No. What it will do is either you'll repeat it, of course, you'll keep going back as as Proverbs says, a dog returns to his vomit, or it will put a governor or a ceiling on any hope of intimacy in your relationships. You'll only go so far. You'll be superficial for the rest of your life. You cannot break that ceiling unless you tell the story. But we all try to cover it up. And so what's got to happen is we have to acknowledge truly it's difficult it's difficult it is hard nobody wants to do step six remove the character defects I've got an addict friend of mine who keeps saying that he's not going to do drug testing because when he has to do a drug test it makes him want to act out so he's not gonna do a drug test I, Now, think about that for a minute. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, but he's an addict. It makes sense to an addict. He is claiming that the reason he's acting out is because he's being forced to do a drug test. Really? Dude, I mean, I know I look stupid, but I ain't. That's crazy. the deal is, guys. All in. By the time you get to step six, it is the Lordship of Christ. Lordship of Christ. I'm all in. See, this idea of being ready is that you're committed. You want to be whole. That that you have embraced growth as a major paradigm of your life. Now, most men that I'm in contact with do not embrace growth. What they embrace is success, financial security, uh, pleasure, comfort, uh, big steak, nice beer, weekend golf growth. No, I went through growth when I was going through puberty, that was growth. I'm not doing a, uh, I'm not doing the growth thing now. I'm 40 years old. I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. Dude, if you ain't growing, you're dying. Jesus was most severe with those who were not growing. Jesus showed compassion to divorcees, whores, tax collectors, all those crazy people that we want to shun. But the ones he was most severe with were religious leaders that were rigid and hard and who were not interested in growth, but they were interested in control. All in. But what we want is just no pain. I just don't want to be in pain. It's important that we know what our character defects are. A.A., has a list of 194 character flaws. I don't have time to go through 194. Again, when you're in church and I'm in church and we're invited to go into confession, as I said, I can't think of one. Well, maybe I said something kind of harsh to Carla. Maybe Eh, she's a tough girl. She's a Texan. She can handle it. So I talked myself out of that. Here's the character defects just in categories. This is 13 that form an umbrella over the 194. I don't have time to go through the 194, but here's the character, uh, the categories: dishonesty. And I would encourage you to write this down. This ought to be in the back of your Bible so that on Sunday morning when you're in church and they ask you to do confession, you go back to the back of your Bible and do an inventory real quick. Have I been dishonest with anybody? Dishonesty. Perfectionism. It's got to be perfect. And I hold everybody else to that. Perfectionism. Number three, people pleasing. People pleasing. Number four, apathy slash laziness. So we kind of get two right here apathy slash laziness. Resentment slash hatred. Who do you resent? Who do you really hate? In the fall, on a Sunday morning, about the third week in September, I hate Florida. (laughs) In October, I hate Alabama. And it goes, and then by the time I get to the end of November, I hate football. So that's just the way it works. That's right. Anger slash rage. Anger rage. And then how about selfishness and self pity? I'm into self pity. I feel sorry for myself. Well bless your heart. And then there's pride, arrogance, and envy. Pride, arrogance, and envy. Oh, here's a good one. Lust and gluttony. Some of us are sex addicts. Some of us are food addicts. Lust and gluttony. Now, that's 13. I kind of ran them together, so you'll have to figure out how the 13 work. But you got them guys. What if, what if I could look on your face and there would be scars and lines that would show me which one of those character defects that you're dealing with on the inside. And you would be like Augie struggling with that. His is all on the outside you to watch this clip, Augie and mom having a conversation.
1: That is not the way we leave the table. Hey, come on, talk to me. Sit down. Take that off, please.
0: Sound up a little louder, Jeff.
1: I'm sorry. It's okay. It'll be okay. Why do I have to be so ugly? You are not ugly, Augie. You just have to say that because you're my mom. Oh, because I'm your mom, it doesn't count? (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most. Because I know you the most, you are not ugly, and anyone who cares to know you will see that. They won't even talk to me. It matters. I look different. I try to pretend that it doesn't, but it does. I know. Is it always gonna matter? I don't. Oh, honey, listen. Look at me. We all have marks on our face. I have this wrinkle here from your first surgery, and I have these wrinkles here from your last surgery. This is the map that shows us where we're going, and this is the map that shows us where you've been. It's never, ever ugly. What about your gray hair? (laughs) (laughs) That's compliments of your dad, I think. we summoned him. (laughs) How's was your day? My day is really good right now. So they went to Florida,
0: where Carl was living in Miami. Oh, you know what
1: it is? Daddy doesn't have his glasses, and I'm making this up. (laughs)
0: Gentlemen, that's a counseling session. That's a men's group. That's church as God intended it to be. The scars on our face that we cover up. As mom said, this tells me where I'm going. And this tells me where I've been, the scars on my face. Tell me where I've been. I want to know where you've been. And if you come up with some sort of superficial baloney that you've not been any place, that you're all good, and you haven't had any really dark times, I'm thinking, dude, you're Rip Van Winkle or you're lying. You've been asleep. We've all got stuff. And the beauty and the holy, sacred ground of men getting real and being honest and not being judged is a sacred place. That's what step six is about, is that we're willing to get real and be honest and repent of that, and repent. Powerful concept, metanonia, Hebrew word, different life, totally different, not the way you're doing it. In fact, the way you're doing it, Jesus said, you must die. That false self that you've constructed, that attempt that you're, seeking to control it, that's what you're addicted to. You're trying to control it. Just like my friend who doesn't want to take a drug test is trying to control his wife and cover up his addiction. See, this whole last piece, all in, all in. Some of us don't have a choice to be all in. Tonight, um, I will take this bottle of olive oil, and there will be a group group of us on Tim Atkinson's patio. And Tim has scars. It will be very evident. Last time I saw Tim, he had all of his hair. He's lost close to 100 pounds. He has no hair. We will take this olive oil and we will anoint Tim and pray over him and ask God in God's mercy to heal Tim. We'll ask for a miracle. I can't churn up a miracle. I'm not going to force God, but I'm going to ask God because I know God has that power. Tim's all in. Tim will not resist us praying over him. He's looking forward to us being there. Tim didn't get a choice. Life kind of kicked him in the butt. And his wife, she's a widow, by the way. I may have told you that before. Uh, This is Tim's second marriage and Denise's second marriage. And Denise has already walked her first husband through cancer. And she and Tim got married about three years ago. And now Tim comes down with cancer. Seems cruel, doesn't it? Guys, God invites us to be all in. We have the opportunity to really get real and start identifying each scar on our face, each scar that we cover up. And when we do that, when we really get specific and we start acknowledging that, then we get free. But you will never get free by being a general Christian, a generalist, you got to be a specific laser red dot kind of guy. Be specific and start making amends with others, and we'll get into that in later steps. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for our time this morning. Thank you for every man in this room. Thank you for the scars, for the hurts, the fears, the character defects. And may we come clean in a way that makes us whole, makes us free, brings honor to your name and healing to us. In Jesus' name.